Good evening and welcome to KLGX LP Flagstaff here. I am your host Noah, joined by my lovely co-host Casey. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Another day in the office, it feels like. I know, right? And speaking about being in the office, we're joined tonight by our boss, Sean. How are you doing over <laughs> here, Sean? Uh, it is good to be on. I want to say to everyone listening that these two have been doing a fantastic job Thank this you. semester with this show. And you know what? Tonight... Tonight I finally figured it's an open week. Let's uh let's let's see what the buzz is all about. So excited <laughs> to get into it. Good, good, that's great. Well, honestly, I guess we'll just start it off as we regularly do. Then hop into some football, some yeah. NFL. Let's get it. And now we've been talking about a lot of teams recently. Uh, the Titans being one of those teams that we've kind of said, oh man, this could be like one of those sleeper teams, even without Derrick Henry. But obviously. Things do go wrong eventually, Yes, and we've seen that with the Titans. So, Casey, what are you thinking on this Titans team? I mean, they looked reliable without Henry for a bit, but is it going to start falling down in a second here? Yeah, there's only so much you can do when you don't have your superstar running back, and I think that's what's finally starting to catch up with them. And as as I've been saying like the whole year, people take notice of things on defense. They look through tape and what they need to do to stop a certain offense. I think it's been happening a lot with the Chiefs this year. People have been stopping the Chiefs at a – astronomical level so i think it's only right that people are starting to find out what the titans are starting to do now that they don't have derrick henry and now that they don't have him they have to switch it up severely and now it's coming to bite them in the butt a little bit but i think overall they're still still a decent team i mean they're still what eight and two on the year eight and three yeah. it's not like they're doing terrible so they're a good team yeah and you know it, it's funny i think we finally got to see a little bit of what Tannehill, you know a couple of things that Tannehill could work on for sure Threw for about 323 yards, but four interceptions mm-hmm. against the Houston Texans. Yep. <laughs> I mean, not a team that, you know, we, we necessarily thought was going to be the one to slow down the Titans. But, hey, you it know, happens. May, maybe a good sign for the Texans. You never know. But how about you, Sean? What do you think of this Titans team? Are they a reliable team, or are we going to start seeing that wall come down? Well, the, the second I heard that Derrick Henry was injured, my thoughts were this team is done. The, the, they're done because he is he is the engine. He He's the motor. How are you supposed to drive a Formula One car? How are you supposed to drive any car without your engine? Because Derrick Henry yeah. is their engine. Now, you can throw the argument at me, oh, they beat the Rams. Well, that's why backup generators exist. But how reliable are backup generators when they're the primary uses, usage? They're not. Backup generators exist as backup generators until the main power unit replaces it. That's just, that's just how it is. That, 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 that's, that's logic. Ryan Tannehill is, a, is simply a backup generator. Derrick Henry is the main engine of this Titans offense. Tannehill is a good quarterback. I wrote an article two years ago talking about how great Ryan Tannehill is. However, he had Derrick Henry with him the whole time. Derrick Henry is, is the engine. Because when you have the backup generator, it doesn't, doesn't go very well. And you can point to other examples of, of how... Some people just need all the talent in the world. So Kirk Cousins has had a great season with the Minnesota Vikings, correct? Mm-hmm. I would say so. Yeah, but he has Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. That is, that are three elite playmakers he has around him. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, but is he really going to thrive when he doesn't have as many pieces around him? No. No, no shot. And Jared Goff, back in 2018, he had one of the best offensive lines in the league. He had one of the best defenses in the NFL, and what happened? Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, he also had offense, 2017 Offensive Player of the Year, Todd Gurley. So he had all that around him, and 
Can either of you tell me where the Rams ended up in the Super Bowl in 2018? No. It's not. They, they, <laughs> they beat the New Orleans Saints, made it to the Super Bowl. They lost to the best quarterback of all time, but it happens. Tom Brady. Tom Brady, yes. So the Rams made it all the way to the Super Bowl because Jared Goff had so much around him. Tannehill helped the Titans make the AFC Championship because they had their main u- power unit in Derrick Henry. However, when you don't have that, you're kind of exposed a bit, so to speak. So are the Titans going to start to collapse? Yes. And do you want to know who they play on Sunday? Who? The hottest team in the NFL, the New England Patriots. <laughs> I know you're looking forward to that one, Sean. Oh, I am, because the Patriots are going to lay a whooping on the Tennessee Titans. And it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty because the Titans are very thin. They don't... Deontay Foreman is their starting running back. Is that really going to get it done? Especially when your offensive line is decent? I'll go with decent. Is it great? No, it's not. So the Titans don't have their main power unit, and because of that, this is going to get ugly. It's, and unfortunately, with for the Titans, they did sweep the Colts, but... Jonathan Taylor looks ridiculously good right now. We'll talk about him later. Yeah. But just saying, Colts are starting to nipping at them a little bit. The Colts are two and a half games behind. And with the way the Colts defense is playing, and with the way Jonathan Taylor is playing, oh boy. It's going to be a tough race for sure. I think that's what's so exciting about the NFL this year is that there's so many teams in it. There's nobody just running away with everything. I think that's what's super exciting about the NFL right now. Yeah, and you know, I watched the Four Falls of Buffalo again last night, and obvi- <laughs> obviously Jim Kelly is a fantastic uh, quarterback and all that, but he would he would have been nothing without Thurman Thomas, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's a big kind of contrast you can bring to that Titans team. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill's pretty good, but without Derrick Henry, it's it's, it's not looking too hot. Meat. Yeah. One point I'll add to that is not only did he have Thurman Thomas. And also an elite RB2 in Kenneth Davis. Like, that guy's kind of forgotten about when it comes to the 90s Bills. But that defense was elite. Bruce Smith is always the headline, but you had Andre Talley. You had Bruce Matthews on the offensive line as well. You had pieces all over that field. That, that 90s Bills team was elite. And in my opinion, Jim, as good as Jim Kelly was, in some ways he did hold them back a little bit. Because... How good would he have been if not for Andre Reid or James Lofton? So that that that's why the Dallas Cowboys were the were the best team in the '90s because they had this great team around them. But I do think that Aikman was a better pure passer of the football. Yeah. Now imagine this: if Dan Marino or if Dan Marino was on either the Cowboys or Bills, the Cowboys are still better because the Cowboys had one of the greatest running backs of all time. They had one of the best receivers at its peak in Michael Irvin, and the Cowboys defense was good. The Bills was elite all around. Their team was just slightly better, and they had a slightly better quarterback. It's all about that power unit. Backup generators don't fly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, like you said about when you brought up the Colts, I think it's important to talk about Carson Wentz as well. I feel like he's definitely picked up a little bit, if anything. Yeah. Obviously, having Jonathan Taylor doing what he's doing right now uh, kind of overshadows it. (laughs) But at the same time, Carson Wentz is a guy that I feel like is starting to pick up at this point in the season. And talking about quarterbacks, I think we should talk about Cam Newton. Big old Cam I mean, Newton. He, he's important. I mean, he's he's come back. He's he's back in the lineup for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, we got to see his first full game uh, the other day. Obviously, didn't end how he probably wanted it to. But 
it's a, it's a good sign, you know. But see, the way I look at Cam Newton, I he's like that guy you go to high school with or middle school with, and you really like, you know, every the whole class likes him. He's a popular guy. He's he's not mean or anything. He's just a really good guy. He, you know, when he played for the Panthers and he and he won that, he got to the Super Bowl, got the MVP. I mean, he was doing everything, and he was just a really cool guy. Nobody really disliked him, and then he leaves. You know, it's like that that high oh, school weird. friend that everyone calls. He, he leaves, and you're just kind of sat there wondering. What's going on? This isn't right. Something, something's not right. And now we're into our college days, you know, maybe maybe sophomore, junior year, and then you realize, oh, no way, he goes to my college. And I feel <laughs> like that's weird. that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cam Newton's come back, and he, he's joined the Panthers, and it's a bit of a weird feeling. I, I don't think any of us probably thought that we were going to see him come back to the Panthers, but none of us are upset about it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, Cam, it's Cam Newton back on the Panthers. So just from that last game, Casey, what are you thinking about Cam? So what a thing to notice about Cam Newton is that he, they're not going to get the Cam Newton of old, and we have to realize that. I mean, he's getting up there. He's done as much as he can during his prime with the Carolina Panthers. He's not going to be that Cam Newton, that MVP Cam Newton, bring the Panthers to a Super Bowl Cam Newton. And I think they kind of realize that, but they do need a starting quarterback. Once their quarterback went down, they needed a quarterback. I was wishing that Cam actually went to the Saints because him and Jameis kind of play similarly. And he would probably be able to adapt to that offense, knowing how many weapons we, I mean, well, Alvin Kamara <laughs> and Ingram. I mean, he's been doing pretty well with the absence of Kamara. But I think he's just going to get you game time. And game, it's not like he's, they're going for a Super Bowl. They're not a team that's good enough. But unfortunately, they have great players, but they already set themselves in a hole where they it's kind of going to be hard to kind of climb up from. And. It's just nice to see Cam Newton back in Charlotte. I think that's what everybody kind of wanted. And once their quarterback went down, went down, I think everybody was like, well, Cam's a free agent. We should go out and get Cam Newton. How exciting would that be? Have a new coming and, or a homecoming. And he did throw for pretty consistent, 21 for 27, 180 yards, two touchdowns. It's not like he played terrible. I mean, you're playing against the Washington Redskins or Washington football team. Careful there, Casey. Yeah, I know. Sorry, guys. It's like saying the Cleveland Indians. You can't say that. It's like the Cleveland Guardians now. That is, that is dumb. <laughs> the Cleveland Guardians of the Galaxy. But, um, yeah, it's just it was just a weird game. And coming into this, of course, Christian McCaffrey is going to do his thing. He did amazing. But I think it was just an overall just – it's a good game to home have like a homecoming, but they just couldn't pull off the win. It's unfortunate. Right. And, you know – I feel I feel bad about saying this, but they definitely needed somewhere in there, someone in there better than Sam Darnold. Yeah. And, but at the same time, in the back of my head, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, Christian McCaffrey was out for that similar amount of time where we were seeing Sam Darnold kind of slump, yeah. not do what he was supposed to be doing as a quarterback. And now that Cam's back, uh, is it kind of just like the fact that McCaffrey's now recently come back that's making Cam look like he might be able to fit into the system? <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's just a toss-up. You know, like maybe it was Sam Darnold that that just needed that help to make him look a little bit better. But I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see where Cam goes from here. I feel yeah. like, you know, obviously McCaffrey is going to make anyone look like a, a pretty decent quarterback. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. What about, what about you, Sean? How's this Cam situation looking? Let me ask you guys a, a question. Last season, did you once tell yourself, I'm excited to watch the Carolina Panthers game today? No. Nope. Nope. Why is that? I mean, they had Christian McCaffrey, but who else did they really have? They didn't have Christian McCaffrey for 14 games oh, last yeah. season. I mean, other than that, nothing, man. <laughs> What's Mike exciting Davis was about? fun. <laughs> but other Mike than that, probably Davis. nothing. Mike Davis. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing about the Carolina Panthers last, last. Last season, the Carolina Panthers were a team that I thought maybe could 
surprised some people. Teddy Bridgewater with the with the offense, I thought could maybe take off. But the thing about Teddy Bridgewater is that he's a very limited quarterback. Mm-hmm. He is he's Alex Smith if if Alex Smith couldn't run the ball. Because the one thing that Alex Smith had going from as much as he was a game manager, that Alex Smith could extend plays with his legs. You got to remember that Alex Smith' career highlight was running in for a touchdown against New Orleans Saints in the 2011 uh, divisional playoff round. Sorry, Casey. It's okay. It happens all the time. <laughs> it seems Fair. like one thing or another. <laughs> Fair enough. But T- Teddy Bridgewater is that game manager, but also cannot run the ball to extend plays. In the modern NFL, unless your name is Tom Brady, you have to be able to extend the plays with your feet. And even then, Tom Brady can do something every once in a while with his old man strength. Okay, it, it just happens from time to time. Teddy Bridgewater is very limited. There's a reason the Denver Broncos, despite having a really good defense, are 500 football teams because they're very limited. And when the defense doesn't do well, like you saw against the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. they ran them out of the building. So because of that, the Carolina Panthers were not an interesting team at all to watch last year. They honestly were probably the single most forgettable team last year. Because yes, there was the Jacksonville Jaguars, but the bad teams, we always laugh at them. Or the bad teams, we always start to think of, what if that next guy comes in? Like last year, we were talking about, oh, Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars. Very excited about this. Now, now it's different with the Carolina Panthers. Every Carolina Panthers game from this day forward is a game that you want to watch. Because Cam Newton has that presence. Every time that he steps onto a football field, you want to watch him. And you two cannot deny this. When you saw Cam in, in a Carolina Panthers shirt for the first time against the Arizona Cardinals, you had a smile deep down. I did. I, I don't sure. Yeah, I, I was. I don't care if you're a diehard <laughs> Cardinals fan. I don't care. Everyone loved it. When they saw Cam in a Panthers jersey, why? Because that's where he belongs. It's exactly where he belongs. The number one jersey for the Carolina Panthers. And this is coming from a Patriots fan, and I had to watch Cam Newton be absolutely abysmal for the Patriots last year. Oh, I had to, I had to sit through that, and considering that I wrote about the Patriots game weekly last year, it was painful to write about, because I would write Cam Newton, 9 for 19, 81 yards and 3 interceptions. Mm-hmm. Did not work in New England, and I, was, and I was down about that from the start. Carolina is where he belongs. And... Think about this. Nick, what did Nick Foles do in his second stint with the Philadelphia Eagles? Not much. Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> that was his second stint. His first stint, he threw seven touchdown passes in a game against the Oakland Raiders. But what did, what did Nick Foles do outside of Philadelphia? Terrible with the Rams. Backup quarterback with the Kansas City Chiefs. And he's a third stringer on the Chicago Bears who are 3-7. and seven. Sometimes in the NFL, there's just a place where you belong. Just like some people do not leave their hometowns ever. Sometimes their hometown is exactly where they belong, and they can't thrive outside of it. Cam Newton, like Nick Foles, cannot thrive outside their hometown. But it is great to see them there because everyone loves them in their hometown. Mm-hmm. That's what Cam Newton is. And it's great to see him back. Panthers aren't really aren't going to make the playoff. And the Panthers... The Panthers do have some nice pieces. And the Panthers do need a quarterback for the future. But for right now, let's just enjoy this. We don't need to look too much into it. Let's just enjoy that Cam Newton is, is where he belongs. Let's enjoy it.
Right, and I mean, you really can't be upset with how he came back. I mean, he hopped right back up on the horse. He got that goal line touch, and he ran it in for a touchdown. I mean, all football fans around the world, obviously, you're watching that, and you're like, nice. There's <laughs> just Cam. Brings a smile there to he is. Yeah, you, you really can't be upset about it. It's, it's, it's a fun sight. Yeah, and to bring that up, like, now Charlotte is one of those towns or cities that you're just going to want to watch multiple sports from. You have LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges uh, for basketball. I mean, who was watching Charlotte basketball before LaMelo Ball came? Nobody. And now you get Cam Newton back on the Panthers. I mean, this town is probably buzzing right now. It's an important time for Charlotte sports, I feel like. And I'm going to add two things to that comment. Number one, the Carolina Panthers, sorry, Hurricanes, are currently one of, if not the best teams in the NHL. Mm -hmm. Can't forget about that. Also, it's also the headquarters of NASCAR. A lot going on. Just saying. And also, it is also college basketball season, which I know you two on this show said that NBA is your favorite sport. Well, I'm going to sit here and say that college basketball is better. I'm sorry. (laughs) I respect the NBA, and and I'm glad that you guys love it, but I personally think college basketball is better. That's just my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. And North Carolina has Duke and North Carolina. I mean, it can't get much better. Charlotte is thriving right now. Mm -hmm. Straight thriving. It's a great state to live in for sports, I'd say. (laughs) I know, right? It's a fun one. Although, it is only one of two states that does not sell regular chicken strips at Chick-fil-A. Arizona is the other. (laughs) Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, it's an absolute absolute crump because now we have to deal with the (laughs) inferior chicken nuggets. It's terrible. There's always something. (laughs) There's always something. The good and the bad. Yeah. But talking about the good and the bad, now, the Buffalo Bills. Oh, my goodness. We've seen the good. (laughs) We've seen the good. And now we've definitely seen the bad. I mean, 41-15 to 15 against the Colts, let's be honest. Jonathan Taylor did kind of do his thing. His back must hurt a little bit. His back is hurting. He's got the whole team in his backpack. But, I mean, you know, it was, it was a thing about the Colts' defense as well. I feel like they definitely showed out against Josh Allen. Josh Allen finally kind of showing that he can't be that always reliable quarterback. And I feel like that's something we've... I see, I see you shrugging over there, Sean, but, you know, it, we, we've not really seen it too many times. Uh, but when we do see it, it's definitely a problem. And it definitely shows that the Bills have issues that they need to resolve. So what, what's the issue right now? Do you th- what do you think, Casey? What's that issue? Well, we've known the Colts. They have a really good offensive line. We've, we've known this. It's not something new. And then when you get their offense going, I think that's what's really scary because if they can score touchdowns, they're going to be in games all the time. But it's always what if for their offense. But, I mean, when Jonathan Taylor goes for five touchdowns, you're kind of shaking your head and you're just like, well, this is what happened. We got to move on. But the scary thing about the Bills is that we a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about them being the best team in the NFL. Like we were saying, they are the best team in the NFL right now, regardless of record. And right now they're not showing it. I mean, they've lost a couple games out of the last three or four games. They've lost two games. And I think... People are starting to figure them out a little bit more. I think as the season goes goes on, that's usually when teams start to figure things out. And, I mean, look at the Chiefs. They were awful in the beginning of the season. Now they're starting to figure it out and starting to probably play their best football again, I mean, for them this year. And then you see the, I mean, the Arizona Cardinals have been riddled by injuries but still managing to put up with Ws. I mean, it's just some teams are able to go off these things and some teams are just kind of, okay, we're probably going to make the playoffs. We can lose a game here and there, but it's starting to get out of hand where they need to start winning games again because I think they're 6-4 and four on the season. I mean, 
if they lose a couple more games, they could be out of the playoff picture. And we were sitting here saying, "We, if, if you, I told you four weeks ago, if the Bills were not going to be in the playoffs, would you be like surprised?" Oh yeah, it's like you know, just just two weeks ago, even it's mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, these." I mean, they lost the game, but you know, it's whatever. It's still, the Bills will win the rest of them. But. Yeah, but they could end up the season. I mean, I don't know their schedule off, off the top of my head, but they could be a team that's around the five hundred point if they don't start picking it up. And I mean, Josh Allen is a great quarterback. We've seen what he's been able to do for the past couple of years, but some things for him are just not clicking right now and it's important to get these things clicking they got their tight end back Knox they just got him back so I think that's going to improve their offense a little bit more he had a really good game on Sunday but I think they just need to look at film I I talk about film so much on the show I feel like but it's so important I was watching a documentary about Kobe Bryant and how much he like just die like dissects everything in film and how much a better player it makes you because you know exactly what the other team's doing you you can be on the bench and you know exactly what you're doing so i think looking at film is so important especially in these high leverage situations so i think looking over film getting things right is super important and you know they've definitely got a couple of tough matchups coming along i mean they got the saints up next uh we'll see about this i mean (laughs) they do play the patriots twice so i think those will both be very interesting games uh, yeah closer to the end of the season um, and then, of course, the Jets and a couple of the Panthers, I believe. So it's it's kind of a toss-up. They could go either way with the rest of their schedule. And I think it's it's going to be exciting to see where they end up going. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. they really could mess it up. There's there's definitely a shot of that after losing this last game. It's, it's a tough loss to lose by that much to the Colts. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of worried. I'm going to be honest. And, you know, I've, I've never been a huge fan of the Bills' run game. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like the, the O-line is pretty decent. They keep Josh pretty pro- decently protected back there every now and then. But it, that run game has just always been lacking for me. I feel like Devin Singletary, the Zach Moss, they've kind of this whole season even switched between the two of them. I mean, Zach Moss was awful on Sunday. I he know. Was it was <laughs> 0.5 points in fantasy. It was not good. Just five <laughs> rushing yards. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's there's. I feel like that's one of the main issues that the Bills are going to have to solve over this next offseason. I, I mean, there's a lot of kind of background running backs that are really showing up on different teams and i feel like they're going to want to go to new teams where they can be the guy mm-hmm. and i feel like the bills are kind of that perfect team to have to get that in the offseason if they can you know scrounge it together and figure out contracts and all that stuff but yeah i it's kind of a tough one i mean bills saints next week we'll, we'll see, see where how that goes, goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how about you sean what do you think of this bills team i think it goes deeper than just the running game isn't working if you watch the Bills, there is a very glaring issue that, honestly, I don't know if it can be fixed. Especially against teams with better defense. It's easy to have a great game against the Jets. Mm-hmm. It seemed like everything was figured out when they played the Jets. Sometimes when you play a garbage team, things are better. I remember in 2018, the Patriots were really struggling. But the last two games of the season, they played the Bills and the Jets back when the Bills were not good. And suddenly the Patriots got on a roll and won the Super Bowl. Sometimes playing those bad teams really gets you on that roll. But something's not right here with Buffalo. I can tell you exactly what it is. Offensive coordinator Brian Dable does not trust his offensive line. Now, you can look up stats telling me about how the offensive line has allowed some of the fewest sacks. That's because Josh Allen is not confident the offensive line. He gets the ball out very quickly. And if you look at Josh Allen's stats, there is a glaring problem here. His completion percentage was a big problem in college. 
60% against the Colts. 66% against the Jaguars, but had two picks. And yes, he had good he had good games against the Dolphins and Titans, but against the Chiefs, he had 57.7. The completion percentage has been off. The, the Bills do not trust their offensive line. They can't run the ball. And Josh Allen is not able to hold on to the ball long enough for the receivers to get open. And that's the thing. The receivers haven't even been getting open. People talk about, oh, is Josh Allen not it? I don't want to hear a single word about Josh Allen not being it. The guy has no offensive line, no running game. His receivers can't get open. What more do you want Josh Allen to do? What more do you want the man to do? Okay, I mentioned this completion percentage thing because he is constantly getting pressure with his throws. He doesn't trust his offensive line long enough to have the seven-step drop. His receivers can't get open, so he has to force it into tight windows. And even then... His completion percentage is still 65.7, which is, is a 4% drop-off from last year, but that's still decent. How is he doing that with no running game? His receivers aren't getting open. His offensive line can't block. He can't trust his offensive line to get the block. And the play calling allows for a lot of quick passing, but that's not what the Bills' offense is. Do we not watch all of last season where the Bills were just throwing the ball down the field every other play? You guys remember the Bills in late November and December last year? They're unbeatable. I, I, I don't understand what happened to that. What, what happened to the offensive line? It's not like they lost a bunch of starters. It's mostly the same offensive line. The rhythm is off. The offensive line is not allowing the Bills to play the football that they played last year when they won 13 games and looked, honestly, and back up until the AFC title game, the best team in the league. Because in December, you could easily make case that the Bills were the best team. Mm-hmm. They were dropping. My, we all remember how good the Dolphins' defense was last year, right? They dropped forty-two on them before halftime. There, there's no rhythm. There's no cohesion. The line isn't working. The running game's not working. I tell you what, if I'm the Bills, and this is what I think they should have done in this draft, but they didn't. They decided to go pass rush. Well, Gregory Russo's been solid, but their defense was already good anyway. They just needed to be more aggressive. They should have drafted a guy like Najee Harris. Because can you imagine if Najee Harris was on this team right now? Crazy. Crazy is right. Or what about a guy, I'll just pull a random guy, Antonio Gibson. Devin Singletary is James White. Do you, is James, I love James White. The, the guy was huge in the 28-3 comeback, which is a sticker on the back of my laptop. <laughs> never forget. Oh, I will never forget as long as I live. And just one real quick note, the Patriots did out did score 25 unanswered points against the Falcons in regulation, which is what they did in Super 51, and the Lunar Eclipse was also three hours and 28 minutes that night. I digress. <laughs> I digress. But you, you need to have that rhythm. Mm. You need to bring in a running back that can make a difference. If you look at almost all the best teams in the NFL, they at least have a good running back. Packers have Aaron Jones. The Tampa Buccaneers have playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette. And, all, oh, wait a minute. Have you also noticed how the Rams have been struggling? Where's their running game been all season? True. But running backs are starting to become more important nowadays. Just saying. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's kind of like... Especially with the way Josh Allen plays the the game, I feel like Najee Harris would have been probably the, the perfect addition to that team. I mean, he would have come in, he would have been able to catch those short passes. Josh Allen doesn't do short passes very often, but <laughs> the option would be there. 
and he wouldn't have to throw it nearly as much. I feel like that might start to show to be an issue down the line. Um, maybe he's going to start throwing too much. He's going to, you know, it's it's awful to talk about injuries, but you don't, you don't want, especially with the O-line issues, you don't want Josh Allen to get an injury and then have this team that has to rely on Mitch Trubisky to <laughs> come Mitch in Trubisky. and kind of fill in for now. But, yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's tough. The, there's definitely, like you said, Sean, there's something wrong with that Bills team that I think all of us kind of want to see fixed. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to happen, but hopefully it comes along eventually and, and we can and we can see that kind of correct itself. But talking about what happened to the Bills team, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, two of the biggest running backs from this weekend. Oh, my goodness. My Crazy. favorite favorite term to use. Those two boys went absolutely nuclear. Yeah, they, <laughs> great term. Atomic bomb on the teams that they were facing. Two receiving touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns for Austin Eckler. Four rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown for Jonathan Taylor. Not to mention 185 rushing yards. I mean, he was running all over them. The defense just got him in that perfect position, and then he he pretty much took the game over from that point on. So going over to you, Casey, I mean, both fantastic performances, but, you know, who who do you think had the better one? I think Jonathan Taylor, just because if you get four rushing touchdowns, you also have to give props to their offensive line for just getting him open that to have that many lanes open. And that's what – imagine if Josh Allen had – like what we were talking about, if Josh Allen had that offensive line, how much – he wouldn't be under pressure nearly as much would be they would probably be able to establish a little bit more of a run game if they had that kind of offensive line but that doesn't I mean Josh or I mean Jonathan Taylor had an amazing game and you can't take that away from him they absolutely killed the Bills it was an awesome performance and when you drop a 50 bomb as a running back in fantasy you know something's going good for you so I think Jonathan Taylor takes this one for me just because I mean he basically doubled almost what Eckler did I think it was just fantastic he had 185 yards which is basically two lengths of the football field in rushing. So I think that's an awesome, awesome game for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, and you know, I, I hope to I hope both of these teams realize how good the running backs are that they really have. Because, I mean, once once we saw that Chargers team start using Austin Eckler in, the, in every situation that they could, I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's that guy. He's going to get them into the end zone. So, you know, it's it's like at the end of the day, I feel like both of these teams really need to realize oh man like these are our guys i mean we have a good passing game we've got good o-line but we need to get these running backs more more action because they're mm-hmm. gonna if, if we give them a chance like this every week there's a you know there's a decent possibility that they'll keep doing it and what you said earlier too and i remember you saying earlier in the semester that they need to get austin eckler involved they haven't gotten him involved enough and now they're starting to get him involved and see what's happening. So, I mean, that just proves your point right there. And they still almost threw away the game to the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yep. my gosh. Real quick, Sean, do you have any thoughts on these two guys doing what they did this weekend? Austin Eckler was huge for the Chargers, uh, really elevating Justin Herbert, just really being that guy for the L.A. Chargers. I, that was a great game, by the way, between the Chargers and the Steelers. And Jonathan Taylor is has basically submitted his claim he is the number two running back in the NFL. Obviously, when Derrick Henry's healthy, he is he is king. Plain and simple. He beat him twice this season. But Jonathan Taylor is really the key to the Colts being a team on the rise in the NFL. And I tell you what, that is not a team I want to play right now if I'm any team. Yeah, they're looking extremely scary. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to go from football to football. Football. Talking about all of our, one of our favorite sports, I feel, you know. Uh, We're going to be talking about something that Sean might be too excited about, but, you know, (laughs) that's all right. We'll get around it, but we will be right back after this short break. Welcome back to the Double Double here on KLJX LP Flagstaff. It's time to transfer from football to football. 
So I'm ready to talk about this because I've been saying this for so long and it's finally happened. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been sacked by Manchester United. Probably one of the best things that I heard this past weekend. If you lose to Watford 4-1, I mean, it should have happened way before this. It shouldn't have even gotten to this point that Manchester United had to finally let go of Ole. But thank God that he's gone. I mean, being a legend at the team, I understand. You want to give him more. You kind of want to develop him into that Sir Alex Ferguson type manager. But it was never going to happen. It was never going to be that type of manager. And now you get his little brother and Michael Carrick taking over. It's like when you get your little brother and you're like, okay, you can take some of my stuff, but here you go. I'm just going to hand it over to you. And that's what they're doing right now just because they have to figure out what manager they're going to go with next. But this was long overdue. I think it's finally right that they get somebody else in there, whether it's Pochettino, Zidane. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with them, but I mean, finally, finally, Noah about time it is about time so what are your thoughts on Ole finally getting the boot i mean <laughs> it's a big sigh honestly that's that's the that's the main reaction you know it, it should have happened a while ago mm-hmm. i honestly believe it should have happened quite a while ago if anything i i think it was already too late by then even but the five nil loss to liverpool as well yeah we watched that together that should have happened i mean he didn't even come out for a presser afterwards so it's kind of like yeah, we waited like 25, 30 minutes yeah, to see what he was going to say <laughs> to the tough. media. And, yeah. you know, Ole was always in a tough situation at Man United. Um, he, he's he got a lot of guys he's got to kind of control on that team. Uh, and when Ronaldo came in, I mean, that was kind of the icing on the cake for his, his ticket out, I think. You know, there's just so many big personalities. And it, it sucks to say, but I feel like Ole was a little too timid of a coach mm-hmm. to kind of control the guys that he had on his squad. Well, he, play, he played with Ronaldo. Like, yeah, it's exactly. hard coaching a, a player you played with. And Ronaldo's, at the end of the day, Ronaldo's always going to know, like, I'm way better than this guy. And he's my coach. So <laughs> Why are you coaching me? <laughs> yeah, what's going on? But yeah. So, yeah, I feel like a, one of the big things with that whole situation was that Ole kind of, I don't know, he didn't have enough power over that team. And I feel like... He, if they get not that they're going to, I think this is definitely one of the one of the low end situations that we're going to see. You know, very low probability. But if they do get Zidane, I think that's their best option. Honestly, that would be their best option. I don't think he's going to do it. I, I don't, don't think, think that's so his, I don't think that's the Zidane move. But yeah. you never know. Uh, but if he did come in, I feel like he'd definitely have that presence. He's coached Ronaldo before, so he knows a thing or two about how to handle that guy. <laughs> yeah. So and I mean, with you know, you got Pogba on that team as well. Harry Maguire, I mean, all these like huge names in the football world that, you know, all fell onto Ole. And as soon as they didn't do good, it was Ole's fault. So it's tough. You know, it's tough to see him go. Obviously still a club legend uh, when he played for him, when he coached for him. You know, he really didn't do too bad. I mean, he got second last year. It wasn't like he did terrible, but I think you had a point when saying that Ronaldo ruined everything. Yeah. I mean, bringing in a name like Ronaldo, obviously going to sell seats and sell tickets and everything else. But... He got second place with almost the same exact team that he brought in this season. He had McTominay and he had Fred in the midfield last year too. And we didn't say a single thing last year when they were in second place. But all of a sudden when they start losing, it's all on Fred and McTominay. But Sean, what are your thoughts on only finally getting the boot for this Manchester United squad? Are they going in the right direction after this move or do you think it depends on the coach or that they hire or what's going on? I have to I have to look at the past a little bit here to to discuss why the 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 sacking it may short term success 
build Manchester United back up, but for those that are that are saying, oh, all these finally gone the glory days of Manchester United is going to stop. I'm here to tell you all something here. There is a there there is a Photoshop photo that has been going around on social media a lot lately. You see a picture of Sir Alex Ferguson and Arce Wenger shaking hands, but also having their game faces on. And when those two were at their peak, Manchester United and Arsenal was one of, if not the best rivalries in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Not even Chelsea, Liverpool could top Arsenal and Wenger and Sir Alex Ferguson at their peak. We got to remember that during the peak of Sir Alex Ferguson, Arsenal went invincible in the Premier League. And Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp, led Arsenal to the Champions League final in 2006. They, along with Manchester United in 2009 and 2011, lost to FC Barcelona in the Champions League final. But in English football, those, those are the top two clubs. Now, they're both jokes. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is. Going from Sir Alex Ferguson to Arsene Wenger, and then part of, the second part of that photo is you see Ole and Mikel Arteta with the same pose. If there is if there is not a single biggest downgrade in football history, I don't know what is. I I don't think that in all of soccer that there is a that two clubs can go from this to this in the same in the same direct line of path. That's that's the equivalent of you have a house, but you just want something new. And you end up moving to a house, and you got ripped off. You had this house you're super comfortable with. It was thriving. It was great. But you got bored. You got complacent. So you, you want, let's, let's just buy a new house that's very, very fancy, very new. Yeah, it turns out the codes are not up to date. And there's a bunch of bugs all over your house. Because, oh yeah, there are bugs everywhere in Manchester United and Arsenal squads. They both can both of them be respectable? Can you make the house respectable? Yes. But it's like in my apartment, there are just ants that just crawl out of the floor there. Yeah, yeah. This this happens in my apartment, by the way. Just a, this <laughs> this ants just somehow find their way into the living room. They're they're extremely tiny, so it doesn't really bother me that much. But yeah, a bunch of ants just like find a way to crawl out of. And that's exactly that's exactly how it is with these two clubs. They're they can be respectable times. I think Arsenal's having a pretty decent season. I mean Heck, they're above Manchester United right now. Okay, so they're in. They're way above Tottenham right now. Tottenham has uh, fallen, fallen into the center of the earth. That's how far they've dropped, which I will admit is quite beautiful to say, to say the <laughs> least. Although three years ago, my triple double co-host was a Tottenham fan, so it's a little awkward. Yeah. But there's always those ants that will just crawl through those holes, and the the house is not what it. it Living in a house is not what it used to be. You can find Pochettino, Saddam, whoever. It's not going to fix anything. Michael Carrick. It's not going to fix anything. It's simple that it's not their time right now. And to put it simple, there's not that winning culture right now. It's, it, it's name over product. It is name over product. Kraft Mac and Cheese is the perfect example of that because Mac and Cheese is terrible. Because <laughs> that, 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 the trend's been going on social media, so I just wanted to 
throw my shot into the fire. But Liverpool, your team, Noah, has been doing things correctly. You have a manager who cares about his club, has a elite chemistry squad around you, and has a culture of winning and a zero-tolerance policy. Chelsea got rid of Frank Lampard, Thomas Tuchel, brought in, culture change. That is what winning does. Pep Guardiola, as much as you want to criticize him for disappearing in big games, at least Manchester City is winning a lot. The, they kept Arteta. Ole and Arteta last, have lasted several years. You think that should be acceptable? No. There's not that desire to win. It's a desire to be respectable. Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, they have that culture of winning. And Noah, you are you should be blessed to be rooting for one of those three clubs. Oh, I am. The best <laughs> one out of the three. <laughs> I don't know about that, Chief. <laughs> I, I mean, Chelsea's up six points on everyone else right now. They're but, looking really good. Yeah. Yes, they are. But Manchester United Arsenal is like, okay, how can we be good? How can we be respectable? There's no, how can we be champions? Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, if you look at the records, I mean, it's when when COVID, the COVID thing first happened and they came back from COVID, we saw a different Manchester United team. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember. They, the, I literally wrote an article saying Manchester United has on, has been unleashed due to Project Restart. Yeah. It was an, a fantastic end of the season. And then the next season, they go off and get second. What is the difference this season, though? Like, what has changed over this past season that totally tr- changed this winning culture into a totally different team? You said the wrong word. It wasn't a, it, it wasn't a championship culture. They, see, they were great during Project Restart, and they got second. They didn't aspire for more. I mean, they were pretty far behind at that point. I think they could do all they could, but I, I honestly do agree with you. I think also them staying healthy. I mean, when they have Rafael Varane on the pitch, they've almost won every single game that he's played in. Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> One of the best center backs in the world. World Cup champion. World yep. Cup champion. Champions, three times Champions League champion. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's won it four times, actually. Four. Uh, even better. So, <laughs> I mean, when you have that kind of center back, I think Harry Maguire is definitely not that guy. For England... Give, give me Harry Maguire. He's fantastic for England. Same thing for Harry Kane. <laughs> I know. Harry Kane, England, great. Fantastic. But for some reason, his the system for Manchester United just does not work for him. I don't know what it is. I think there's a lot of things wrong with Manchester United. They finally started Jada Sancho. That's a plus. He scored his first goal today. Yeah, he did pretty good today. Donny van de Beek. How poetic also. I just want to put out how poetic it was that Donny van de Beek scored the last goal under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. That's great. I love it. It's perfect. I mean, so hopefully, I really hope Donnie gets into that starting lineup as a box-to-box kind of guy, like instead of Fred or McTominay. I think McTominay's better than Fred. I think if you put Donnie in there, I mean, where are you going to put Pugba then? It's like, I don't know. See, that's the problem. (laughs) When I put this guy in in this position, where am I putting this other guy? I feel like that's something United really needs to get under control. It's Mm kind of like the whole Lakers situation. They've got guys that... You just don't want on the pitch with each other at the same time it's yeah. like, or on the court. You know, it's like they need to figure it out. I mean, if there, there's 11 guys you put out there. Obviously, certain guys only play certain positions. But at what point do you, like, really analyze the way you're you're kind of laying out your team and mm-hmm. and realize, oh, maybe I need to, you know, keep this guy in uh, in this position and then 
you know, sub this other. It's tough. I mean, they, they've obviously been struggling with it all year. So maybe maybe with new coaching comes new you input. Know, I mean, yeah. they still have Martial, too. There's so many guys. Rashford's not even starting still. I mean, there's so much going. They have a lot of star players, but that's what's the difference between Liverpool and Manchester United. I'm going to say that. You get a guy like Diego Jota who can be an impact sub or he can fill in for any of those starters in the front three. Who do we have at Manchester United that can do that? There's Anybody? definitely someone there. But you think? United just hasn't figured it out yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think, I mean, they need to figure it out. But real quick, before we go over into our next topic, if you had to pick one manager to take over for Manchester United that always out, who would you want to see? Oh, man. Well, I mean, obviously, I'd take Zinedine. Yeah. Zidane. At the end of the day, if it was a possibility, if it wasn't like slim to none, yeah, I'd love to like see. Like a him guarantee, in there. He's yeah, going in. Manager. Yeah, guarantee if if you if you launched him in there, uh, it'd take him a couple of weeks and then he'd be good to go. So. Yeah. And Sean, what about you? Michael Carrick. He's like the couch from your. <laughs> you want Michael Carrick to take over? He he's a couch from your old house. It, it is a reminder of the house you once had. Yeah, but that's what they try to do with Ole. But Michael Carrick is is more passionate. He's a more of a leader. I I totally agree with that. I think we'll see how well Michael Carrick and Darren Fletcher do under their role right now. I mean, they won two zero against Villarreal. Villarreal are a good team, Champions League. Revenge for the Europa League loss. Yeah, exactly. So I think it was a good win for them to find. I mean, Donny started. You saw Martial start on the left side. I mean, Jaden Sancho scored his first goal. I mean, for your first game, <laughs> I'm happy with it. Yeah. So, but now it is time, Noah. Bum, bum. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Liverpool, four zero against Arsenal, and I just want you to take this away, Noah. Your feelings? I don't everybody. know. I kind of want Sean to take this one away. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, it's all, you know. I don't know. I, Liverpool, they're they've definitely got their games where they they slack. They definitely have games where Brighton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> forget about it. <laughs> they have their games where they don't perform too up to par, mm-hmm. and I feel like that happens quite a quite a decent amount with Liverpool. I'll be honest. There's definitely games where they slack a little bit, or they don't show that they can truly, you know, just be consistent and like beat smaller teams or teams that don't have nearly as many, you know, skillful players. Or, but I mean that that shows the heart of those small teams. All those small teams that are kind of in that bottom half of the Premier League. They've all got huge hearts, and I think even even seeing Liverpool tire lose to those kind of teams, I'll take because it, you know, it's it's a nice thing to see in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Stop smiling at me like that. No, I think no. This is I think it's so funny that Liverpool like every time they face a club that's huge, they automatically you can tell them this is going to be a double. It's uh, go mode. It's go mode for Liverpool. You say Arsenal the top club in England? Uh uh-uh. uh. Four zero. Manchester United five zero. I mean, it just keeps happening. But, Sean, what do you have to say about your Arsenal right now? Kind of disappointing loss after a great run of form before the international break, but then come back to this. What's your whole thoughts on it? Yeah, well, I don't see what the problem is here. <laughs> I, I, I generally don't. Okay, listen. We already know that Arsenal's not a top club anymore. They, they didn't even qualify for the Europa League last season. Okay? So... We already know that Arsenal it, did not come into the season with massive expectations. I picked them to be six, and even then that was a little generous. <laughs> I was just trying to inject some optimism. But we all know that Arsenal's not a top club anymore. Their biggest rival right now is Leicester City. If you look at Arsenal and Leicester City's matchups, they've been very close the last few years. That is, that is Arsenal's gold standard right now is Leicester City. Okay, Arsenal is not the level Man City and Liverpool. They've been outscored them by 9-0. Like, wh- wh- what did you expect? <laughs> like, 
Like, I'm sorry. Like, the how this, this, this is what humor is. I saw this post, and it's perfect. You have two Manchester Chester United fans talking. If we get blown up by Liverpool, man, Ole needs to go. Arsenal fans, you ready to get our, you ready for our annual drubbing at Anfield? Yeah, bro, let, let's do this. <laughs> okay, but like this, this, this is the this is the one difference between Manchester United and Arsenal. At least Arsenal, we know we're gonna get they're gonna get drubbed. They know that they're gonna get drubbed. Manchester United is still in denial. And which one is moving forward better right now? Oh wait, that's the one that actually accepts that they have a problem. Hmm. Just saying, the first step to recovery is knowing that you have a problem. We uh, Arsenal knows they have a problem. They know they have a problem. But I mean, again, I don't see the problem. They they lost five 0 to Man City on August twenty eighth, and Saturday's loss to Liverpool was the first loss since then. That things are going pretty decently so far, considering that that Arsenal is in a rehab program right now. It, it just goes to show that Arsenal still has a long ways to go. Arsenal ain't t- <laughs> come on. The only the only time that that a Premier League is like okay, this matchup is mega massive if it involves Liverpool, Chelsea, or Man City. If it involves two of those three teams, that is a must watch. Everything else, you, you everything else, like Arsenal, Manchester against the top three. Just forget it. Like, why do we care? Now, okay, j- j- just stick with matchups like Crystal Palace versus Brentford. Now, that was a slapper of a match. Crystal <laughs> yeah. Palace Brentford is great. 3-3. Oh, 3-3, yes. See, those are the kinds of matches we should be focused on. Not Liverpool or Arsenal. Of course we knew what was going to happen. Yeah, I think the big thing about that matchup was it kind of, obviously... Uh, Arsenal fans were maybe starting to think a little bit that they were getting back into that top four. Oh, please, they're delusional if they ever thought that. <laughs> I, I mean, it. if you ask an Arsenal fan going into that matchup, oh, we'll lose 1-0, 2-0. Yeah, it's, it might be a little closer than we think, you know. But. Yeah, especially on the form there was. I mean, Aubameyang's been on back to finally Aubameyang form, and then you have Rowe that's been a fantastic this whole season. Going into that game, you're not thinking, okay, we're going to lose 4-0. Oh, I did. You thought you were going to lose 4-0 going oh, into absolute, game day. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. Like, I could never sit as a Manchester United fan. I could never sit down and say, yes, we're going to lose 4-0 today. That's just how it is. I, I don't think it should. Like, you guys have been in such good form. Like, I'm trying to protect you on this. Like, I think they've been in good form. They haven't been losing games. I mean, the last time you said the last time they lost was against Man City 5-0. And then you've been playing fantastic. You moved up the table. You guys got as high as fifth, I think, or fourth. They're still fifth. Yeah, exactly. If you want to... if. Those games are a statement game for you guys, in my opinion. If you guys can pull a one nil loss to them, that shows way more than just giving up and giving up a four nil game. And you know, with Liverpool, it's kind of like as soon as that that front attacking squad starts getting going, if your team is in any way out of form for the game, it's it's over. There's it's the game is the counter attack for that team. Yeah, as ridiculous. soon as soon as that gets going, there's really no hope uh, for the for the other team. I mean. It just they just make it look like butter, like like a hot knife through butter. It's they, they just it's, it's too easy. So I mean, Arsenal still put up a great game. Honestly, they still had good tack, pass accuracy throughout the game. Uh, you know, they obviously Liverpool's one of those teams that doesn't really give up passes very often, if at all. Like in in like a half of a football match, you know. So with Arsenal, does you know their their passing isn't a hundred percent there, and that definitely causes those issues sometimes. Just a, a loose pass. It gets intercepted. That starts the counterattack. That's it. That's like they're off to the races. So 
any team that kind of makes those small mistakes, Liverpool's going to capitalize on big time. So it, it's you know it was a good game. Arsenal obviously are starting to show that they're not they're getting there. They're getting back to that form. Once that team starts meshing well, I feel like they definitely have a good chance to stick around in that top four, top six. You know, just hang around in there. But this was definitely a game where Liverpool kind of put them in their place. They were like, listen. Like, you guys are getting there, but you're not here yet. <laughs> yeah. And moving on from that, I mean, what a heated conversation. I feel like that was a good conversation. But we have to talk about the new manager signing of Aston Villa, Steven Gerrard. I mean, he's been doing fantastic things at Rangers. I think it was a fantastic signing. Get him back to his homeland in Europe and finally get him a chance to coach at the Premier League level. What I think it's the perfect team, too, for him to come in and kind of get his feet wet. We saw what happened to Frank Lampard when he took over Chelsea. He did good for a little bit and then just went completely downhill from there. That was like throwing chum into a tank <laughs> full of piranhas. There yeah. was no chance that he was going to survive that whole situation. That, that was just unfair of them. They just guessed that because he's Frank Lampard and he's Mr. Chelsea, you know, he's going to be fine. Oh, but man. that was the biggest mistake. Because now everyone's upset with him, you know? Like, they're just like, oh, what are you doing, Frank? Frank? Lampard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I think I think getting Steven Gerrard a, a lesser role, like not a top four, top six team, was the perfect situation for him. I mean, he has a lot of players that he can develop under his tutelage. I think that's going to be a fantastic team in the next couple of years. Finally, Aston Villa is looking, even after Jack Grealish is gone, they're looking like a decent team. So I just want to, so on your thoughts of Steven Gerrard finally coming back to the Premier League, perfect situation. What are your thoughts, Noah? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously I'm a Liverpool fan, so it's going to sound a little different here, but <laughs> it, it's kind of like they're, it's almost like a, a audition that he's having in the Premier League. He's going to get to audition on Aston Villa for, you know, two or three years. He's probably going to do pretty good, honestly, hopefully. hopefully. You know, you, you want to see that out of the uh, old players. And and then obviously with, uh, with Jurgen Klopp having his contract come to an end in the next two or three years, I believe, three mm -hmm. or four maybe. Uh, I feel like it's kind of set up already, and already in the future, I can see it happening. Steven Gerrard, the Liverpool yeah, manager. Yeah, it, it just depends. You know, it just depends if he if he has a good stint with Aston Villa. Maybe I mean, maybe they even keep him around there. You never know. Maybe they yeah. want to they want to stick with him, depending on where they are in the table, like when the time comes. But yeah, it's a really interesting situation for Steven, and I think he's gonna have a good time finally back to the Premier League, and it's exciting for him. So it'll be fun. Yeah, and Sean, of course, Steven Gerrard, one of the most iconic center midfielders in English history. So for him to take over as a manager in the Premier League, thoughts? I think Austin Villa needed this sort of renaissance. They kind of were very stagnant. They, you know, they had good moments last year beating Liverpool 7-2. to two. Noah. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem with Austin Villa this season is that they have just had a lot of stretches this season where they just flat out struggled to, to either defend or score. Like, th there is one match... There has not really been a match where they have struggled. They, they haven't struggled with one of them. They did beat Newcastle 2-0 uh, in their second match of the season. Other than that, like, it's just been a rough season for them so far. They've just had so many struggles with, with consistency in shooting around the net. They've had struggles in defending. They've just been a very inconsistent team. I think Gerard can get them focused, and then they can use a bunch of different areas of the pitch to really zone in on and get them back to winning form. Their their defense played really well against Brighton this past Saturday, mm -hmm. and then the Ollie Watkins and Tyrone Mings finally put put Brighton away late in the match. So, I think progress is already being made. And as long as Aston Villa is more focused, 
Good things will come, and I'm very interested to see how they do against Crystal Palace. That's a very interesting match. Yeah, I agree. Crystal Palace has also looked pretty phenomenal this year. I love how they can actually score goals this season, which they really struggled with. So it's exciting for them to see. But that's going to wrap up this segment of the Double Double. Thank you, Sean, for being on. Of course, as always, it's nice to see you back in the booth. But when we come back, it's time to switch it over to some basketball, which, I mean, the Suns have been looking pretty great the last couple of weeks, so Noah and I are going to talk about that. So come back after the break. Good evening and welcome back to our final section or final segment of the Double Double here on KLGX LP Flagstaff. Me and Casey are going to hop into some basketball real quick. Yes, and finally. I think we're both <laughs> excited about it. Um, so going into our first topic here, the Phoenix Suns. Now, I remember the first time we talked about the Phoenix Suns, we yeah. were saying, oh, man, this isn't good. There's something wrong. You know, obviously, there was the uh, the rumors of DeAndre Ayton not getting his contract extension, and I feel like that was definitely a big issue with them. But, And, you know, obviously, Chris Paul, it's always a toss-up. Like, is he going to keep doing good until he's 40 like LeBron? I don't know. But, yeah. hey, 13 games in a row for the Suns. Crazy. My goodness. They are launching themselves into this, for you know, into the hopefully midway point of the season. Hopefully they keep this up. But what do you think, Casey? I mean, good stuff from them, right? We were talking about them, and we were saying that, oh, it's just a championship hangover. Like, they got to the finals. They didn't have as long as a break. Blah, blah, blah. It's a hangover, hangover. We kept using that word. We always have it in many sports, whether it's the Premier League, soccer, football, basketball it doesn't matter you have a baseball even i mean the nationals had a hangover i mean it happens but for this team to start the season two and three and then go on a 13 win streak this team has been absolutely fantastic and what's awesome about it is that chris paul is averaging 10 and a half assists a game devin booker is averaging only 22 23 a game it's not like devin booker's doing 27 to 28 like he usually is he's not shooting the ball amazingly like we've a lot of stars have been doing this season because of the new ball that they've been using. They've that was their new ball. They're using that. a Wilson ball instead of a Spalding ball, and people are saying that they're, they're not used to shooting with that ball. So that's oh. why Dame Lillard can't shoot a three to save his life Okay, right yeah. That, uh, <laughs> come on. Let's not defend everyone in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, they have been absolutely fantastic. They're getting key contributions from people off the bench. I mean, campaign's always going to give you stuff off the bench. Um they're just like fantastic. I can't. I they they haven't lost a game in thirteen games. Even Javale's doing his job. I mean, Javale McGee. You can't ever knock the goat, Javale McGee. I mean, he has three championships now. I, I know. Can't, I mean, is he a Hall of Famer? Nah. <laughs> that's we'll like giving see. a that's like giving a um a Hall of Fame thing to Luke Walton. Yeah. He was on all the Lakers teams. Oh man. Yeah, he's a four time championship. Like you should be in the Hall of Fame. Like now that's not how it works. <laughs> but I mean other they just been getting key contribution contributions from everybody. I mean, Johnson's been good too. I mean, they're getting everything they need. They're passing the ball very well. They're getting high number of assists every game, which is super important. DeAndre Ayton doesn't care that he's not getting paid at this point in the season, which is something that we really considered of like him not playing well is because he either wants to ball out to get a bigger contract from another team or he's going to get a, a, try to get an extension and or he's going to play bad because he didn't get his extension so just seeing the Suns be able to kind of get over that little hiccup that they had in the beginning of the season and kind of lock down into showing they are one of those good teams in the west that they're not one of these teams that's going to go to the finals one year and then just dip down 
after that season. So it's really cool to see the Suns kind of elevate their play in the last couple of weeks and see them on this big win streak. I wonder how far it's going to go, honestly. Yeah, and am. you know, they've been, you're right, they've been getting really good contributions out of all of their players. I mean, an, uh, one guy I liked closer to the beginning of the season, especially after the finals and stuff, was Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. He's a he's a fantastic shooter. I mean, he's he's like extremely efficient on that offensive side of the ball. And you I, need a 3 and D player, man. I know. He, and he's fantastic. I mean, they got six guys averaging above 10 points per game. Obviously, DeAndre Ayton, 16 and 12 average. That's a strong double-double he's getting every game. It's not like he's barely getting double-doubles. No. Yeah, he's getting double-doubles for sure. And mm-hmm. I mean, just give the guy his money. I know. I don't know why they really didn't give him money. If you're thinking about it, okay, you're paying Chris Paul. Maybe they're waiting for his contract to kind of expire. Yeah, in four years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, or they're just, I mean, they gave an extension to the guy that they got traded to them, the three points of the Shamit. They gave money to him, but they won't give money to DeAndre Ayton, who's been your, basically, after Devin Booker, he was your second piece to get to this point. And now. They're just like not giving him money, even though he he deserves it. He's like twenty two years old, and he's only going to get better for the next couple of years. It's yeah, it's, he's young. He had one mess up where he got suspended fifty games for the steroids or whatever, the growth hormones or whatever. Yeah. But after that, he's been clean and he's been balling. So I don't know why they're not doing it either. Yeah, and you know, just looking at the stats of them in these past thirteen games on their win streak, I mean, forty eight percent field goal percentage that's insane first in the nba uh, over those past 13 <laughs> i years. would really hope so 48 yeah. percent. half of your buckets are going in i know it's it's just efficient efficiency is key i guess 113.5 points a game second in the nba over the past 13 games good amount of points. and 100.1 defensive rating which is second in the nba so they've been doing it on all sides of the ball and they're fun they're a fun team to watch you know i haven't watched uh i haven't watched a ton of their games but Whenever I do, it's it's usually not against a great team or anything, but you can just see that they're, it's kind of like, not to compare them like this, but it's kind of like the Liverpool of the NBA. Hmm. It's a very solid team. Yes. They they fit well together, extremely well together. And they love their coach. And they love their coach. Monty Williams. Yeah, man. and I mean, it's just a good team, good mix, and I feel like they, they've really figured it out. So I hope that this whole DeAndre Aiden thing doesn't mess that chemistry up because that is like one of the most important things that they really have to work on right now is making sure that I'm not sure how it works if they could just decide in the next couple of weeks that they're going to give him money I don't know but they need to like make sure that they they keep DeAndre Ayton around because he's going to be that guy I mean JaVale McGee's fantastic but yeah I think they will end up giving him an extension I think they just wanted to see one more year out of him and see if he can actually provide on that kind of level again and I mean (laughs) you can't say that he hasn't he's been doing everything right so for them I think locking him down I feel like he wants to stay in Arizona. He went to Arizona for college, too. It's not like he wants... He's only been in Arizona for the last six years of his life. Give him a contract extension. Pay Landry Shamit. Give DeAndre Ayton a contract extension. Yeah. Didn't really make sense to me, but I think this win streak for them is not going to end anytime soon, to be honest. Especially the way that other teams in the West are looking. I mean... I think this could go on for a little bit longer. Maybe I hope two, so. three more games. Yeah, I mean it, it's nice. They're they're I believe their current longest win streak is seventeen, and they're at thirteen. Doable. I mean we've seen some crazy long win streaks this year. I mean with the Cardinals with eighteen, and now we see them with thirteen right now. If they get up to eighteen, man, that's impressive. Yeah. I don't think they're going to beat the Lakers' record of winning like thirty straight, but no. I mean they're getting pretty close. It's, it's a nice hope. They're though. halfway there. Yeah. It's something. <laughs> yeah. So, going into our next segment, or next topic that we're yeah. going to be talking about with basketball, 
it is the Bucks. After <sighs> talking about the Suns, we might as well talk about the Bucks. <laughs> yeah. Because they have not been doing what the Suns have been doing. Yeah, exactly. And is that worrisome? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a little bit worrisome. I mean, they haven't had Chris Middleton for a lot of their season, and I think that's what's really been contributing to their lack of success. I mean, when you have a guy like Chris Middleton, who is your definite number two at this point, and not having him in the lineup is really going to hurt you. But to be all honest, I mean, the East is all over the place, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But having the East, <laughs> I mean, Giannis does lead the league in every, or not the league, but the Bucks in every single statistical category, which is, or like, he's, it's phenomenal. I See, mean, it's Giannis, though. I mean, I mean yeah. he kind of has to do that a little bit. Especially but. when Chris Middleton is out. But the, this whole thing has been a hangover. And this is... All of us, we're in college. I'm just going to, and we're all, me and you are both 21. It's like when you, a hangover sucks, man. And when you get to the finals and you get to the championships and you drink a little bit too cham- too much champagne and you're partying the whole time you guys are off. I mean, it's kind of like when we go out to drink and at a bar or something like that. And you just had too many to drink. And now you go home and you wake up the next day. And how do you feel? Terrible. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. <laughs> So I think that's what they're kind of going through right now. They had a little bit too much champagne during the summer. <laughs> and But they're going to get over it. And I mean, Chris Middleton coming back healthy. Drew Holiday. I mean, Grayson Allen's been playing really well for them, which is pretty surprising knowing Grayson Allen hasn't, hasn't killed anyone yet. Yeah. <laughs> or kicked anybody <laughs> or anything. But, I mean, they have a fantastic team. I mean, it's basically the same team as last year without P.J. Tucker. I mean, everybody and P.J. Tucker got replaced by Grayson Allen. But, I mean, they're a good team. You can't get them wrong. They're going to be up there by the end of the season. But this whole West is kind of weird, so I don't know. You know, I'm glad that you brought up P.J. Tucker, though, because I feel like he's a he's a piece that a lot of people kind of forget was really important in that finals. I mean, yep. his defense that he plays, no matter how old he is, I think he's getting up there like 33, 34 now even. Mm-hmm. But his defense is... It's prime. He has some of the best defense in the NBA. He will guard whoever he needs to. He'll guard guys that are a foot taller than him for all he, for all he cares. Yeah, he doesn't care. He'll, yeah, he'll play like a center. And he doesn't he'll, care. He'll do a great job. I mean, you'll you'll see him. You, you look at his stats after a game, and you'll you'll say to yourself, oh, man, he got like two points and six rebounds and like four assists on like 35 minutes. But if you didn't watch the game, you don't know what he was doing that whole time. And the whole time, he is just bugging whoever he needs to on mm-hmm. that other team. And... Maybe that's something that they've kind of been missing. I mean, obviously the Bucks' defense is decent. It's not fantastic, but it's it's still there. Uh, and Chris Middleton, obviously, you know, he's not like a huge defensive presence or anything, but he he fits in with the team and he fits in with the way that that team as a whole plays defense. Uh, obviously, you've still got Drew Holiday, one of the best on-ball defenders we'll ever see. Yeah, he is <laughs> fantastic. It's kind of funny because he doesn't get that credit until you hear other NBA players be like, dude. I hate playing please, against him. <laughs> please, I do not want him to guard me. I'm yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny, but yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so I mean, as soon as that team gets gets back together and they start, you know, once the engine starts going, kind of like starting a lawnmower, that uh, these first couple of weeks they've been cranking it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just can't get it started. Yeah, and eventually it's gonna go, and they're gonna be off. I think so. They'll be all right. They'll they'll be fine once Chris Middleton comes back. Obviously, yeah, he's gonna start dropping like 20, 22 points a game, and they'll be good to go. So. Yeah. Hey, but talking about the on-ball defenders real quick, another guy that's coming up that might be able to challenge uh, Drew Holiday, could you guess who he is? Uh, if you say Lonzo Ball, because it is, 
then yes. Okay, it, it might be Lonzo Ball, but it's also Lugans Dort. He's also fantastic. Dort is a fantastic on-ball defender. And Davian Mitchell, too, for the Kings. Yeah. He's a menace. There's a lot of guys, I think, that we're going to be able to see kind of sprout into. Alex Caruso. Yeah, Alex Caruso, baby. Yeah. Woo, but yeah, yeah, there's a lot of guys that, that are blossoming this year on the defensive end, and I think that's something everyone needs to keep an eye on because we're all, you know, we're all lost in the offensive side of the ball when it comes to basketball. I but love watching defense. Though. Yeah, defense is, it's, it's pretty. Defense is a lot prettier than offense half the time. So I, I like that. But yeah. I, yeah, it's a, what the Bucks need to do. I mean, it's not like they're starting off like they've only won a couple games. They're still 9-9. and nine, So I don't think it's I think any. It's ten, I think it's 10-8 and eight, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nothing too terrible to start the season. But if you're the Bucks right now, you're kind of thinking like, okay, we need to be in a better spot. I mean, it's nothing terrible. I mean, what else can you ask for at this point when you didn't have Middleton this whole time? Drew was out for a little bit. So it's all going to come together in a little bit. But I just want to talk about the East a little bit more because this Eastern Conference has been weird. It's ugly. It's weird. So the the leading the East is the Brooklyn Nets as of right now. And then the Heat. And then you go into it and you look at the rest of the Eastern Conference. The Bulls, who we didn't know was going to be up there. The Wizards the Charlotte Hornets, and the New York Knicks. Nowhere to be found is, I mean, they're in second, like in seventh, eighth, and ninth, are the Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks, the 76ers, and then even Cleveland's up there. Not included is the Hawks, who's in 11th, who we kind of thought were going to be on the rise again because of last season, and also the Pacers, who started off the season terrible, and they're always a good team, a good average team that always makes the playoffs. So looking at this conference right now you're kind of like what is going on it's kind of weird so no what do you think of this conference so far yeah the only normal thing looking at this is the brooklyn nets in that top spot you know i mean obviously they're the brooklyn nets they still got james harden and kevin durant and all these guys so they're gonna be able to do it but yeah i mean the heat that's a bit confusing you know they've got they've got jimmy b they've got a lot of good pieces tyler hero's really been showing out six man of the year yeah super important i think to, to talk about him because he's been doing a fantastic job when you score 24 off the bench every game yeah that's, I mean, <laughs> that's what you want off the bench really. <laughs> i guess so yeah and then yeah bulls i think i don't think it's funny to say this but i don't think that's as surprising as maybe i don't know how what your thoughts were at the beginning of the season i but thought they were going to be a good team but they have I think the NBA didn't think they were going to be a good team because they ranked them 19th in the power ranking to Did start really? this season. Oh, yeah. that's mean. Yeah, that's especially rough. with all the additions they made with Lonzo Ball, Caruso. I mean, Vucevic is going to have a full season. DeMar DeRozan, who's been absolutely balling out 27 a game. Mm-hmm. He looks like prime old DeMar again. So I think a lot of people didn't think that this team was going to be able to defend, but they're one of the best defensive teams in the NBA right now. Oh, yeah. So I think they were just sold a little short. They actually came out in number two at the next power ranking this past week. Really? Yeah, behind the Warriors. So. Oh, oh man. Yeah, that Warriors <laughs> team. I'm glad we're not talking about the West because it would just be talking about how good the Warriors are for no good reason. <laughs> yeah, and how normal it looks. For <laughs> exactly, yeah. But yeah, and then the Wizards. I mean, we both didn't see this coming. I'm a Wizards fan, and I didn't see this coming. You know, I love that like big three that they kind of have going on right now, though. The Kuzma. Beal and Harrell. I don't know. It's and Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's yeah, Dinwiddie's good, but just like I don't know, Kuzma, <laughs> Kuzma, Kuzma, Montrez, and uh, Beal. They just they, they've been fantastic. They've been doing really good, and I'm excited for them because Montrez. I I feel like he he kind of got wasted on the Lakers. It was really tough to see, 
Uh, his Clippers, his Clippers, like whole season or his, you know, his Clippers stint was was fantastic because he got to really show up. Uh, once Zubats kind of started stepping up, though, you started seeing his role diminish a little bit. But now that he's kind of back in that position where he's that starting guy, he gets to finally be Montrezl again, and I've always loved him. So seeing that he's finally getting his playtime and getting to, you know, do decent. I mean, they're eleven and six. I mean, to start the season, yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting as a Washington Wizards fan. You know, you're, you're going to be like, oh, maybe we're actually doing something for once around the playoffs, <laughs> you know? Maybe. You never know. Yeah, but. it'll be interesting. But next is the Charlotte Hornets. And they started good and then went down a little bit of a slump. And now they're back. And I'll tell you why. Lamella Ball finally took the reins and said, this is my team. And I think that's what's been super important about this Hornets run as of recently because he's averaging almost a triple double over the past two weeks. It's gross. I mean, that what was that stat line he had the other night? It was 32 points, 12 rebounds, 15 like, rebounds and 10 assists. Yeah, that's oh gosh. From it's, a rookie or from a second year player. It's dangerous. It's and dangerous. So we saw that Miles Bridges was scoring a buttload of points during the beginning of the season and Gordon Hayward was still averaging his 20 and Lamelo was kind of just kind of being complacent as a player. He was just there. Yeah, but he was still doing really well. But he wasn't being LaMelo Ball where he just impacts his team like he should be. And he finally was just like, nah, dude, we need to win games. I'm taking over. He's taking 20 to 25 shots a game now, which it was only at 15 to 20 before shooting five more shots a game. His three-point percentage is actually really good. It's over 40% this year. I mean, he can get to the rim whenever he wants. He can dish the ball. He's If you're averaging a triple-double in a two-week span, you're doing something right. Yeah, something's 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 working. Yeah, and, and also I, he's also his rebounding. I don't know why, but he's just decided I'm gonna rebound everything at this point, and he's averaging 12 rebounds in the past two weeks. Yeah, I mean we saw that out <laughs> of we saw that out of Curry the first couple of games of the season too. He he had like I can't remember if it was a triple double, but he had a double double, and it was with like 30 points and like 12 or 13 rebounds, and it's like <laughs> it's what? Weird. You're like six foot three, dude. What do you do? But <laughs> but yeah, it's like Lamelo Ball. I mean he's got. His roof is astronomical. He's 20 years old. I mean, what, you know, it's like a 20 if you're getting 32, 15, and 10. That's gross. I mean, that's Luca. The only other guy that we've really seen do that is Luca. And he was in the in the Europa League for how long before he came over? Yeah, he was like 16 three? years old when he played for Real Madrid <laughs> basketball. So, I mean, <laughs> he kind of was expected that he would come in and make a huge difference. Yeah, and we I didn't think, know what was going to happen with the Mel. And I think, yeah, you know, it's like, it's tough to say at the end of the day, but. Maybe maybe Lavar Ball was right. Maybe all his <laughs> <laughs> maybe all his kids really are going to be fantastic basketball players. And hey, you know, like it's their dad, but at the same time, good for him. You know, yeah, he's, exactly. He's always. He, I think he, you know a lot of people are can easily get upset with Lavar. Lavar isn't the uh, most likable person sometimes, but at the end of the day, he was always there with for his kids. Uh, Lonzo Lamelo. Uh, the, the other Angelo. one, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other one that might actually make a difference eventually, but yeah, yeah, and and now that they're all kind of showing out, and they're all, you know, Leangelo's obviously trying to make his way through the G League. Lamella's showing up big for the Hornets, and Lonzo's showing up big for the Bulls. They're all doing what they should be doing at this point in their lives, and I think their careers only have upside from here. So I'm yeah. excited to see where all of them go. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how much growth Lamella is too, because right now in the season he's averaging 28 and eight as a sophomore in the league so imagine in like four or five years time 
I mean, he's going to be the face of the NBA once LeBron retires. I think we can all say that. Definitely going to have to duel for it against Luka, though, I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> but he's going to be up there with the faces of the NBA in the next couple of years, bearing oh, yeah. injury. But the next team is the New York Knicks, who's sitting in that sixth spot. I think this is kind of where we saw them coming into this season. I mean, after last season, they had a fantastic run in the playoffs. I didn't think we would see them in the top two yet. I mean, they're a decent team. I didn't think anything bad of them them being in the sixth spot at this point in the season. They're they're a good team. They're they have really good pieces with RJ Barrett. I mean Kemba Walker is on that team now. You have who else do they have? Julius Randle. RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett. Yeah, they're they're a good team. And then the I just want to talk about the disappointing teams right now. We talked about the Bucks, but the Boston Celtics and the Sixers. Like the Celtics what I can't say, but they should be doing so much better. I know what their issue is, Casey. I got you. It's that they have three or four guys doing the same job. <laughs> They've got Jalen Brown. He's a scorer. He's a stone-cold scorer. He's going to be scoring a lot. They've got Jason Tatum, scorer. He's a Kobe Bryant-esque player. He's going to be balling out every game. He's going to get that 30, which he's done in the past four games, I think. He's hit at least 30 points. And Dennis Schroeder, same thing. He's a baller. He's going to shoot the ball a lot. And so you've got these three guys. And you can't play them all together or else it's just going to, you know, there's no cohesion there. There's no defense either. No defense. No assisting anybody. Exactly. There's not. It's all iso ball. Yeah, it's iso ball. And that doesn't work in the NBA. You need your team. I mean, you need to, you need to get everyone involved, whether that be in the paint. It can't just be like these little Kobe-esque perimeter shots and all that stuff. And obviously, all you ain't th- no Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, all three of them like doing that stuff. So they need to. It's kind of like the again. I mentioned it earlier, but it's kind of like the Lakers situation. They have to figure that out. The Jason Tatum. He's obviously probably their favorite out of the three. Uh, they just brought in Dennis Schroeder, and he's had a couple of good games. Uh, to you know, since Jalen Brown's been gone for a little bit as well. But the, there's just a mess. It's it's a mess of those three guys and. It has to come down to how they decide to use them. I feel like it. there's definitely a lot of ways they could go. They could make it so that you put two out on the floor at four at the same time, get them to more or less work together. If you can't get them to work with the rest of the team, you might as well see if they have some co- connection on the floor together. But, yeah, I, I just don't see it going very well for them for the rest of the season. They're going to keep having these two, these two or three guys that have these issues because they do the same thing. And that's going to be the main thing that needs to get ironed out. They they need to figure that out or else it's just going to be a huge issue for the rest of the season. They've got they've got big personalities too. Jason Tatum is not like this quiet guy that he seems Marcus like he is. Smart. Marcus Smart. I mean, yeah, he's he, Marcus Smart does his thing though. You know, you can't really be. <laughs> he's a defensive anchor of that team. Exactly. Though. Yeah. So he he's the on ball guy that we were talking about earlier. But they need to figure it out. It's it's tough. There's a lot of a lot of clashing personalities there. Well, it's funny because they got rid of Kemba Walker, who was a scorer again. They just love scoring, I guess. And then they get Dennis Schroeder, who's basically the same thing. I'd say slightly better than Kemba right now, too. Yeah. Just the way that he's been performing. But Yeah, but they don't have a playmaker. It's so important to have somebody that can handle the ball and get six to eight assists a game. We've seen it with all the good teams so far. Who's leading the East? The Nets. Yep. Who do they have as a playmaker? James Harden. James Harden and Kevin Durant. You see the Heat. Who's their playmaker? Kyle Lowry. I mean, you have the top three right now, the Bulls. Who do they have? Lonzo Ball. They have everyone. Everyone. Everybody can passing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They have so like these teams have playmakers. That's so important right now. And that's what's going to 
be the downfall of the Celtics. They don't have people that can create playmaking and assist. If Jason Tatum's leading your team in assists with four, there's something wrong. Yeah, get this. Jason Tatum, 25.5 points per game. Jalen Brown, 25 points per game. Dennis Schroeder, 18 points per game. What are their assists looking like? Jason Tatum, 3.5 average. <laughs> Jalen Brown, 2 average. Dennis Schroeder, 5 average. So we're getting there. But still, like the highest the highest assist averager on that team is Marcus Smart at five and a half. <laughs> and he he's so not two players out get ten assists a game, and that's probably it. Yeah, they and he's not even the guy mainly touching the ball. Mm-hmm. Like Jay, you're gonna see Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Dennis Schroeder, those are the guys that you want to have the assist if possible, because they're the ones touching the ball all the time. And it's just not happening. Yeah. And then we move on to the last team, the seventy sixers. And I think this whole season, is, it's not going to be a wash for them, but we know what the 76ers is. Ben Simmons. What's going on with Ben Simmons? That's always the question for the 76ers, whether he's going to come back, whether he's going to get traded, whether or not Doc Rivers is going to tell him to go home and he's going to cry. We don't know. I don't think anyone cares anymore, to be honest. I haven't heard anything in the news for a know, couple of, so. like a week now. Hopefully it's died over, but everybody's going to still ask the question, where is Ben Simmons and just, why isn't he playing? It's just such a mess. They, it's That's that's probably the biggest issue in all in all of the NBA right now. Or is, Kyrie. Yeah, but Ky, see, Kyrie's just not playing. He's yeah. not, he's just he, he made it obvious that there's a reason he's not playing, and so he's not. And then with Ben Simmons, it's all these other issues that are going on. With he didn't like, coach me right. I don't want to Didn't coach play. me right, mental health issues, team issues, just all these issues. Just trade him then. Just, and that's the other thing too. <laughs> they need to get rid of him because he, they, th- their whole thing is they think that they're gonna get like a s- all star player, like a decent player, and then like three first round picks or something ridiculous for him, and it's just not gonna happen. They've had people offer them j- almost almost as good of trade. Did they o- the Celtics offer him Jalen Brown and they said no? Yes, I'm pretty sure with like a couple of picks <laughs> and all that stuff. It's I think they would lose like Jalen Brown and one other player for Seth. The Pacers also did something like that. It was like Malcolm Brogdon, yeah, uh, somebody else, and then like three first round picks. Nope, I don't want that. That's not good enough. Like what do you what do you want? He's just he's just young useless lebron james that's what he is right that now. can't shoot that can't shoot a layup as we <laughs> saw in the playoffs it's like oh my or a gosh free throw. it's just if i'm ben simmons just request a trade and get out of there i mean if you're the 76ers front office you're like we'll take whatever we can get right now if we get one player that's an all-star cal- like malcolm brogdon i would drool over i that. would do a one for one on that if, yeah at this point they have to do something and if they can even still get a one-for-one one out of that, if possible, like I would. But, of course, they're not going to. Yeah, and it's crazy because if you look at it now, Malcolm Brogdon's averaging 23-6-7. He's great. That's going to be a big boost to the 76ers when you're not even playing Ben Simmons, who usually averages like 12 points, whatever, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, whatever, on 40, 50% from the field and 0% from three. And 40% from the free throw line. I mean, I'll take Malcolm Brogdon all day. And this is why I said I'd way rather have Lonzo Ball than Ben Simmons. He's probably as good as a defender, can shoot threes, gets your teammates involved, picks up the pace of the game. Who's better? Yeah, let's be real here. Who Who has more potential even at this point, too? You know, it's like Lonzo Ball is 
shown that he can improve year by year. And he's happy. And he's happy. And he's good to go. But Ben Simmons, I don't know. The biggest what if in history. I know. It's going to be what if Ben Simmons could develop a jump shot. <laughs> or wanted to at this point. Yeah, if, if decided to, right? Yeah. But that's going to wrap up this week, Double Double. I think next week is actually our last week for the Double Double for the semester. And then we get to have a little bit of a break for winter break and go back and see our families and whatnot. So... Make sure to tune in next week for our last show. We won't have a show with Cooper and Dallas this week, obviously, because Thursday is Thanksgiving. So make sure to tune in to our show next Tuesday at 7 o'clock. But until then, Noah, see you later, dude. See you later. <laughs> hey, hope we get some snow this week or something. I know. We, we need it. It's we, been a while. We got rain, which is weird. I know. We finally got something. So <laughs> It was 45 degrees, but we got rain. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting, we're getting there. there. <laughs> so make sure to tune in next week. We'll talk to you guys later. Have a good one, guys.